You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. Last Sunday, for those who weren't here, Sam did a great job introducing our Advent series, looking at hope. Um, for those who are not familiar with Advent, it's that getting ready for Christmas phase in the Christian calendar. Um, we don't do it every year, but um, a lot of churches will do it. Uh, there's often candles involved and other elements. Um, but it's really that getting ready for a, the coming, the arrival of Jesus. It's celebrating that period of waiting until uh, Jesus came. And today we turn our hearts to the second theme in our Advent uh, uh, little journey, and that is the theme of peace. So we're looking at Advent as a time of peace. It's a time of hope. It's a time of peace. And to do that, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. One of my favorite uh, passages, uh, Christmas passages. Um, In fact, that's not true. I just love all the Christmas passages. So I don't have a favorite. But um, you might want to turn to Luke 2. And I'm just going to read it, read it to you. It's from verse, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. We had a fun conversation at Alpha this week, didn't we? About whether it would be really helpful if God wrote on walls for us so that we knew what he was saying to us. And, but it would actually freak us out if suddenly writing appeared, if an angel appeared. They must have been terrified, mustn't they? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's all of you. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and living in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests And when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Isn't that a cool story? It's so familiar, but it is such a cool story. story of shepherds and angels and a life-changing trip to a stable. And it's not just a pleasant Christmas card scene. 
It is actually a message with a profound message in it, a story with a profound message in it that rings through the ages. That's why every year we remember this little story. But I think particularly it rings now loud, true and clear, isn't it? Don't we need to see peace in this world? In fact, the message that we find contained in this story is really the heart of the Christmas message. And at its core is that profound peace that comes with the arrival of Jesus, who was the Prince of Peace, wasn't he? That's one of his names. And I've just got three simple points I wanted to draw from this passage. But I love also for us to experience it, not just log that there are three points in this sermon. The first is that this story points of a peace with God. The angel's proclamation begins with the words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. The scene opens with shepherds watching over their flocks by night In that culture, shepherds were often marginalised, overlooked. They were the rough and ready, uneducated outcasts on the hills. But it's to shepherds that the angels appear to bring news of great joy. And that in itself is quite profound. Who the angels come to speak to. It reminds us that the message of peace is actually for everybody. It's regardless of our station in life, our education, our background, the peace of God comes for everybody. So whatever we do, whatever our education, whatever our situation, there's a message for peace for us this Christmas. In the eyes of God, every soul is precious and his peace extends to everyone. Isn't that a cool message? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. There doesn't look like great joy in the room today, I tell you. Good news that causes great joy. Maybe by the end we'll see some great joy. Because it's a profound thing that this Christmas story is for us, isn't it? Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. See, the birth of Jesus is the advent of peace, the coming of a saviour for everyone. That's what the story is about. And the peace that the angel is proclaiming is a particularly profound peace. I mean, everybody wants peace on earth, don't they? Miss World Contentants, whatever they're called, always want peace on earth. Is, is Miss World even a thing now? I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe that's not a thing now. If there is, there should be a Mr. World, shouldn't there? Well, that's a bit like Mr. Men then somehow, but anyway. <laughs> but every, everybody, everybody wants peace on earth, don't they? It's like a trite little truism. But we want peace in all aspects of life, don't we? When we're looking at the world at the moment, Ukraine, 
I mean, all of the pain that you see in the Middle East. How we need peace on earth. And even closer to home, we can want peace, can't we? Marriages breaking down. Families breaking down. Friendships going sour. We want relational peace, don't we? There's a growth in mindfulness. There's a deep desire for an inner peace. Peace is so topical this year as we run up to Christmas. As we run up to it, as we make ready, as we prepare ourselves, I think this is a powerful message for us at this time. And yet the, the passage that we're looking at, peace is placed in the context of glory. It was out of the glory of God that a particular sort of peace arrived. John 14 says, Peace I live with, leave with you. My peace I give with you, Jesus says. I do not give to you as the world gives. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the peace of which the angel proclaims first deals with a sort of spiritual peace with God. And from that flows relational peace and inner peace, I think. But it starts with the glory of God. Jesus' coming is a declaration from the glory of God, from heaven. A declaration of God's desire for reconciliation and peace with us. I mean, that is such a cool story for Christmas. The birth of Jesus brings about reconciliation between God and humanity, mending the rift caused by sin, as we were hearing last week. A few weeks ago, I talked on repentance, that inner independence that says that we're better than God, that we know better than God, that we can tell the difference between right and wrong better than God. How we need to repent, go God's way. See, a pure and perfect peace, the peace that Jesus offers, I think starts with the glory of God and the wonderful message that he has come to reconcile himself to man. The peace of God that Christ offers isn't earned It's received. It's received through faith. It's grace, 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 as we say. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more or love us less. It's by his grace, his coming, that we are reconciled to him. All that places a barrier between us and God in glory is dealt with at Christmas and Easter. The perfect, glorious creator deals with it so that we can find a spiritual peace. And that's where it starts. But then there is also a a peace that comes with others. The peace that Jesus brings isn't just sort of a vertical peace. But I think it makes a way for a horizontal peace between people too. Christ comes that we can find peace with God and know that we are loved 
and forgiven, that we can be restored and reconciled and find peace with him. And from that particular that place, we find a particular sort of peace that Jesus speaks of flow out to others. If we're reconciled with God, how, how can we not be reconciled with others? If we are forgiven by God, how can we not forgive others? If God takes the initiative to restore relationship with us, should we not take the initiative to restore relationships with others? So Romans 12:18 says, "If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone." It's not always possible. But as far as it's possible, that we want to live at peace with others. In fact, God's people are called to a, a ministry of reconciliation. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation to others. Isn't that cool and hard? And inspiring and a bit annoying if somebody is really hard to reconcile with. See, the birth of Jesus, we discover the foundations for a peace with other people, I think. The love and grace that's extended to us in Christ compels us to extend the same to those around us. That's what's all captured in this moment on the hill. Christmas reminds us that, that we can be agents of reconciliation, building bridges instead of walls, fostering harmony in our relationships, and bringing peace and forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration to others as we find that in God. The Hebrew term for peace, shalom, is it's a deep and complex meaning it encompasses much more than just the absence of noise <laughs> the absence of hostility of absence of war shalom includes ideas of healing and health and wholeness and well-being it means harmony stability security within a community that's the idea that's caught in that hebrew word of shalom or peace it refers to relationships built on truth and righteousness where people can flourish because they're nurtured. That's a sort of shalom place. And don't we want to be a shalom place, a people of shalom? Don't we want to have shalom in our homes this Christmas? Yes, there's a, a biblical hope of an age to come when peace is fully manifested itself. We read, don't we, of swords will be beaten into plowshares and the wolf will live with the lamb. No one shall hurt or destroy. There's a point where everything is healed and restored and made good. But we're living in that now and not yet phase that Sam talked about last week. There'll be a time when traditional enemies will live together contentedly and People will be governed with wisdom and understanding and justice. That's our hope 
there'll be a day like that. But we're still living in a world that is broken, in a now not and not yet phase of history. But we can do something about it. See, Jesus' message of peace isn't just about the future, it's about now. As the Prince of Peace gives us the gift of peace, we can give that to others. The Apostle Paul describes God as the God of peace. Our Christian message is, is called the Gospel of Peace, isn't it? Peace is everywhere when you start looking at it. Peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It seems that humankind must learn and relearn the message of peace. And perhaps we do as well. It doesn't always come easily because we are fallen. We need to constantly end up getting into difficulties, don't we? To hostility, suspicion. But the Apostle Peter, quoting Psalms, says, Seek peace and pursue it. 1 Peter 3. Perhaps this Advent we want to seek peace and pursue it a bit. Amen? Oh, great. There's loads load more nods now. Feeling a bit more relieved. Peace with God. Peace with others. Also, I think this passage speaks of about peace within. Following the angel's announcement, we read about Mary's response. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. I wonder whether Mary's internal reflection signifies a sense of profound peace that was within her soul. The peace that Christ brings isn't just external, I think, but internal, a peace that transcends circumstances. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request towards God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a verse that is. If we allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts in an ongoing, deepening relationship with our Saviour, I really believe it calms anxieties, brings healing to wounds, and fosters a deep sense of peace within us. The peace of Christ is not just a, a fleeting emotion, it's a treasure, as Mary said, to be held and pondered in our hearts. And as we do it, do you know what? I think a piece of Christ begins to shape our attitude, our actions, and our interactions with others. John 16.33 says, Have I not told you these things so that you may have peace? In this world you'll have trouble, Jesus says. But take heart. I've overcome this world. Upon hearing the angelic peace declaration, the shepherds respond with urgency. They go in haste to find the baby in the manger, and when they do it, they're filled with awe 
and wonder. Don't we want some awe and wonder this Christmas, eh? We don't want just to be going through the motions, so stressed out by all the trappings that we miss the peace in the middle. They go and find the baby. They're filled with awe and wonder because they encounter the Christ child. And it becomes like a personal experience of peace that the angels proclaimed. And as a result, they just couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to share it with others. Isn't that a wonderful story? That's why we print all these leaflets, to help you share the story with others. But as I've been preparing this week, I've just been so stirred by this theme of peace. Me being peace with God, peace with others, finding an inner peace. But I was drawn to a particular verse that Jesus said in his great manifesto of life on the Sermon of the Mount. He said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And the word that particularly just came out for me is this word makers. We're going to be making all sorts of things in the run-up to Christmas. But you know, we need to be makers of peace as well. It's not just blessed be the peace receivers. The peace beneficiaries. It's blessed are the peacemakers. There was like an action in it, a sort of, we want to do some of this in it. We want to make peace. And in doing so, there's a blessing. So I just want to finish with going over those three points, but giving you just some different scriptures for ways we can make peace with God, make peace with others, make peace with ourselves. And I'm going I'm to do something I have not done before. I'm going to speedily go through them with no expectation that you're going to get them all because I'm going to send them to you on a, um, on a something rather, PowerPoint so that you can meditate them on this week. But I just wanted just to give you some scriptures that might help you very quickly. And there may be just one thing that the Spirit just speaks to you about that you can bring to the communion table in a minute when we're going to break bread and have wine. There may be one thing about making peace with God, one thing making peace with others, one thing about yourself making peace with yourself, that you want to bring to the communion table. And so, I mean, I'm saying metaphorically, you bring yourself, but in doing that, say a little prayer about the particular thing. So God might speak to you through one of these things. Making peace with God through Jesus. In a sense, he makes peace with us, doesn't he? That's what we've said. But we, we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. There might be people here who haven't made that step of faith in Jesus. Do you know what? He is so here for you 
today, this Christmas, would so love you to come to know him. Maybe today is your day to say, Lord, I want to give myself to you. I want to follow you. I want to repent of the things I've done wrong. I want to know you within me. That's just a little prayer you could pray as you walk up here to take the bread and wine. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We may feel prompted to confess or repent of some of our sins. Maybe as you come to the table, there's sin to confess this week. 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. There's a promise that God will forgive you as you come to the table this week. Maybe it's accepting God's gift of grace. We talk about grace a lot here because it's so important. We can't earn God's love, but we can receive it. If you just are trying to be as good as you can to get God to love you, just let it go as you come up to the table. And say, Look, I, I give up trying to be good. I want to receive your grace, your acceptance, and that is going to motivate me to do good. Might be about living in obedience to God's word. That's a way you can we can we can play our part in making peace with God. If you love me, Jesus said in John 14, keep my commands. Maybe this Christmas is a Christmas to stir you to be obedient to his word. Maybe he's speaking to you this today about actually it's time to start reading the word again. <coughs> Obeying it. Maybe it's about being filled with the Spirit. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, i just so dry. I want to be filled by your Spirit. These are ways we can respond to this wonderful God coming to us to make peace with us. It could be that we need to make peace with others. What are some just tips for that? Just How it needs humility, doesn't it? I tell you what, you look up humility in the New Testament, it's, it's just so challenging. Philippians 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interests, interests but each of you to the interests of others. Crumbs, that's just a verse we could go into Christmas with, isn't it? Avoiding retaliation, Matthew 5. Perhaps it's time to not have the last word or have to have the last word this Christmas forgiveness maybe God is you just know there's unforgiveness in your heart well this is a day where we can come and say Lord you've forgiven me I want to make the difficult call to forgive somebody else Matthew 6 says if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father would also forgive you if you do not forgive others their sin your father will not forgive your sins. I mean, that's a big thing to say, isn't it? Maybe it's God's proking you about reconciliation, taking the initiative to restore a relationship. Matthew 5 says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and that you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. These are big things, aren't they? That the scriptures point to? Maybe making peace with others is just simple acts of kindness and love. Random acts of kindness. 
in the run-up to Christmas that you can do. We've received some random acts of kindness the last few weeks. It does something to our souls. It makes us want to do random acts of kindness to other people, doesn't it? Don't we want to be a random acts of kindness sort of people? We do, don't we? Colossians 3 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since you're members of one body. You are called to peace. It's why when there's disunity in a church, it's such an awful thing. We want to be unified. We want to have peace with one another. One other. Finally, just it's time to make peace with ourselves as well, you know. There's all sorts of wonderful mindfulness tools that people can use these days, but do you know what? There's a peace that comes from knowing God that is significant. Just understanding our identity in Christ is really where deep-seated peace comes from. Some of those tools are great at helping us not fixate on the past, worry about the future. There's some great things about being in the presence. It's always been the Christian way. It's been hijacked by a lot of secular things these days. But there's always been a sense of wanting to not worry about tomorrow, worry about today. Jesus said that. Being in the moment. But you know what? When we're in a moment where we know who we are in Christ, just how much he loves us, just how much he forgives us, just how much he's for us, do you know what? A deep-seated peace comes into our souls. Some of us, we, we don't find peace in ourselves because we, we can't forgive ourselves because we know better than God. He forgives us, but we can't forgive ourselves. Some, some, some might need to forgive themselves as they come up to the table. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, it says. We find peace in us as we meditate on his word. Psalm 119, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. That's a peace, isn't it? As we meditate on the word of God, seeking God's presence in prayer. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or finally, trust in God's plan. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean on not your own understanding in all your ways to submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Making peace with God, making peace with one another, making peace with ourselves is a practical thing that we can be peacemakers in, not lose sight of the things we need to do in that. Just let me finish with this verse from Isaiah 32. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Wow. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. That's the promise. The shepherds heard a message about peace and they responded. They went to the stable and pushed on that door. As J. John says, the, 
The hinge of history can be found on the Bethlehem door. <laughs> I just, I couldn't find where to fit that in, but I just loved it so much this week. I fitted it in there. The hinge of history can be found on the Bethlehem door because, in a sense, we're invited in to receive peace as we come to the table now. They found a dirty, noisy stable, but they found in it peace itself, the Prince of Peace. And as we're preparing for Christmas, as we're in this Advent season, I want us to know the Prince of Peace amongst us. Amen? When they saw him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. So peace, it's a pure, perfect peace because it comes from the Prince of Peace. It's eternal, it's everlasting, but it's for now as well. It's for all people. It's not based on our circumstances, therefore. But there's a call to enter into it. Haley gave me that. So we're going to come and break bread and I'd love us just to come having made, been a peacemaker. Amen?